Welcome, Supers, to this Entrepreneurs for Friday, October 15th. I had to look at my watch. October 15th. We have so many articles to go through. Uh, and the I'm I don't I'm not a stock market, you know, guy. I don't expect you to come in for the stock market, but I will say I was watching Meet Kevin just a little bit ago, uh, and the market seems to be rallying hard on those recovery stocks. So ding ding. <laughs> for that uh because there is some news about november 8th being the day that uh foreigners are able to come into the states so maybe that's playing uh playing a role in it um so i did i did see that but what we're gonna talk about today evergrande 1.7 billion dollar sales flop uh there's also uh, a couple of articles related to Evergrande uh, that, be, you know, talking about Beijing not likely to let the developer collapse. We'll see. Uh, again, some news is better than no news, but sometimes no news is better than 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 some <laughs> than bad news. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Microsoft shutting down LinkedIn in China. Uh, more than 10,000 John Deere workers on strike <laughs> After failed UAW uh, deal, the FTC will crack down on fake online reviews and puts businesses on notice. This is I I am ding ding. Uh, I'm all about the real, and I am all about people getting out of the way uh, and stop uh, faking it till you make it. Uh, head of Uber Freight says the U.S. is in. A shipping Armageddon, and there's no one solution. I'm looking forward to reading that as I have extensive background in the trucking industry. Virgin Galactic delays beginning of commercial space flights to the fourth quarter of 2022, and their stock took the you know paid the price for it. Uh, Striketober signals tremendous sacrifice, but workers say it has been a long time coming. Uh, and finally today. Uh, I got a question, what keeps me motivated? So I'm looking forward to hopefully motivating some of you as I try to do every day with every news article, with every Shark Tank uh, video, with every Undercover Billionaire video, which we have an Undercover Billionaire video going live today. I think it's at noon today, so uh, go check that out. It's episode, I believe, 7 of Undercover Billionaire Grant Cardone Edition, uh, as well as tonight, 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 we got uh, uh, Shark Tank Season 13, Episode 2. Uh, it airs at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. I will be doing all the reaction videos. They should be up between 9 and 11 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time tonight. So I'm looking forward to those. Uh, there's already a preview video up. If you haven't gone check that out, go to uh, you, you know the YouTube channels here. If you're here already, uh, after you get done with this video or listen to this podcast, uh, you go and and check out the preview video. Some pretty pretty neat uh, neat businesses. Uh, we'll see we'll see if they fare as uh, better or worse than the four that we had in uh, episode one last Friday. Let's get to. Uh, I gotta share my screen here. Evergrande's one point seven billion dollar Hong Kong headquarters sale flops as buyer withdrawals, according to sources. 
Uh, Chinese state-owned Zuzi, Yuzi, you, I don't know. Property. This property company in China has pulled out of a proposal $1.7 billion deal to buy China Evergrande Group's Hong Kong headquarters building uh, building over worries that the developers dire financial uh, about the, the, the situation that they have right now, says two sources. Uh, the collapse of the talks for the landmark building's sale is another setback for cash-strapped Evergrande, which uh, has been scrambling to divest some assets to repay creditors knocking on its doors. With more than $300 billion in liabilities, it has already missed three rounds of interest payments in the international bonds. Uh, they said, based on the, oh, I'm not sharing my screen, based on the southern city of Gunzhou, I'm not sure. I feel bad butchering these, these names. I know I'm butchering these names. Uh, was close to sealing a deal in August to acquire the 26 story tw- uh, China Evergrande Center in Hong Kong's uh Wan Che uh yeah one maybe Wan Che district that serves as Evergrande's local headquarters at the sources. The deal, however, faltered after their board opposed the move over worries that Evergrande's unresolved indebtedness would create potential complications in completing the transaction smoothly, they said. Once China's top selling developer uh, has in recent months sought to raise funds by offloading assets from properties to stakes in subsidiaries, both in mainland China and in Hong Kong. Evergrande, which saw uh, its 8.75% June 2025 bond fall more than 6% to 18, uh, 8, 8, 18.625 cents on Friday, did not respond uh, request for cont, uh, for comment. The people declined to be identified due to confidentiality agreements. So, uh, you know, th- to go along with this, they did have a, um, they did, they apparently, according to, I forget uh, which YouTuber I was, was watching, he was talking about how, like, just in, like, I think it was, like, August, uh, Evergrande had, or June, July, Evergrande had like a quote unquote clean bill of health for all of their debts and the whole the whole of the business. So like, who's not telling? The, somebody's not telling the truth that we got a game show going here, you know, to tell the truth. And so somebody either was not you know looking in, or somebody was hiding the fact that there was a there was issues with the company, and they're just like, uh, or they're just glossed over the fact. Uh, they didn't do their due diligence. Somebody somewhere did not do uh, their due diligence because just a couple months later, it's like they went from "Hey, everything's cool, we're fine, don't no problems here" to uh, "Oh wow, this is like could be a catastrophe and have a ripple effect across the world." So very very disappointing uh, to hear, and uh, that means that that's 1.7 billion. They're going to have to raise in another way, you know, some other way, not like, it's not like anyone's just going to come up with, you know, <laughs> a couple billion dollars to, to make a sale happen and, and go through. So we will, uh, again, we will always continue to monitor this and, and we'll be back on Monday with more on this story. 
Uh, I haven't actually I have two more articles to to run through. So uh, make sure you check that out as well uh, here. Evergrande crisis, Beijing not likely to let developer collapse even as it gets tough, analysts say. Beijing not likely to allow property giant China Evergrande Group to collapse as the government devises a way to get tough on the company without inducing sector-wide turmoil. Uh, Market analysts said at a conference on Wednesday, Evergrande saddled with more than $300 billion in debt, has missed three rounds of interest payments in three weeks, uh, and will default on its debt if it fails to pay the combined $119 million in interest before October 23rd. So we're we're coming up on that uh, pretty quick here, uh, you know, in, in just a week week away. Uh, I think somebody in the comments uh, in one of the other videos was saying I think I think they were saying that it was October 23rd or 28th or something. Maybe it was yeah, maybe it was October 28th. Uh, was oh, I can't get my calendar come up here uh, is where the the issue is uh, really going to to take hold. Uh, what the government is doing uh, is this kind. Uh, wait, what the government is doing is this kind of a managed reconstruction that is trying to scale the property market away from any further debt fueled growth by not bailing out Evergrande. Uh, said Andrew Collier, managing director of Orient Capital Research. Uh, do you have any question? Uh, do you have questions about the biggest topics, trends? No. Uh, his remarks came during the China Institute Executive Summit, the CIES, on Wednesday. The South China Morning Post is, is a strategic partner of the event. Uh, they are desperate to avoid a central government bailout wants to have its face on the picture of helping out the property market. Oh, it says that, yeah, adding that the he didn't think China's central bank wants to have its face on the picture of helping out the property market. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I'd like to think that there's enough people that are smart enough to not let this uh, just, you know, let it fall apart. And and let it dissolve and be like, well, you know, that's that's what you get, right? That's what you get for um, having having all of these uh, indebted companies and and capitalistic companies that are leveraging what they have and and all that. And look, to a certain extent, I I don't totally disagree. Uh, having you know three hundred billion dollars in debt uh, is is a lot, and there's a lot like you know a lot of people uh, around the world are are counting on that to not you know default and to not fall apart and to not go for pennies on the dollar, but uh, if if at all. So I, I hope that you know it, this isn't uh, this isn't going to be a problem like i keep saying in every video you know let's not let's not panic just yet but uh you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to keep keep cash on hand in case things do head south if things head south you have the cash to get to take take advantage of some buying situations and you know and i'm not going to be the one to tell you which which buying situations to to do uh but i you know i i just think that as an overall strategy you know that's that's what i would be looking at is is you know, how can I get some cash off to the side so that I could make some purchases if things do go sideways? And if not, well, then, you know, cash is still 
available to do other things with it. Uh, this other update, China Seabank uh, official says spillover effect of Evergrande's debt woes is controllable. The spillover effect of China Evergrande's uh, group's debt problems on the banking system is controllable and individual financial institutions risk exposures uh, are not are not big, a central bank official said on Friday. Chinese authorities are using Evergrande to step up asset disposals and the resumptions of projects. Um, Evergrande had blindly diversified and expanded its business. I don't know if it had if it was blind. I, I'm sure that there, you know somebody was making a decision based on what where to put the money uh, last month. Uh, as they the debt crisis intensified, the PBOC uh, I'm, said it would safeguard the legitimate rights and interests of homeowners. In August, the central bank, as well as the banking regulator, said they had summoned executives from Evergrande and asked them to properly handle its debt risks. Uh, those comments... Financial institutions appetite for property firms has declined significantly in response to risks at some, uh, at some developers leading to a significant drop in loans. Evergrande should step up asset disposals and speed up resumption of projects buildings uh, building and authorities will provide financing support for project resumption. He said some lenders have had misunderstandings about the central bank's debt control policies causing financial strains for some firms as uh, as some new projects are unable to get loans even after firms have repaid existing loans. Uh, so what that says is that the bank uh, is, you know, the, the banks that they're trying to get the money from is like, yeah, like, yeah, cool. Like you you paid on that loan, but we kind of see the landscape of where things are. And we're not really that comfortable right now. And we're going to take a more conservative approach so that we don't go down with you if things uh, start to, you know, uh, go belly up. That's the that's not a great sign that definitely you know pumping the brakes on the loans means business can't continue as usual and it could ultimately lead to if if uh if they're not able to get the loans that they need going forward and fund those projects and and other banks you know decline them as well it kind of puts them in dead in the water if you're a development company you can't develop because you can't have you don't get the money to do so um you know the profits probably aren't going to be enough to be self-sustaining uh for you that's why i mean that's why they're going to the bank in the first place right so i i uh tend to think that hopefully that's just a short term uh somebody said this is a uh, in the finally it says the short this short term extreme reaction is a normal market phenomenon it is and and like i just said that you we want it to stay short term we want it to you know maybe Maybe it lasts 15 days. Maybe it lasts, uh, you know, 45 days at most. But I, I would, I'd be worried if you start getting past 30 to 45 days. When we start talking about like 90 days, like that's not a that's not a short term phenomenon. That starts to be like a, re- a real money crunch uh, that could topple over more co- uh, development companies uh, in China and and start to. Uh, really affect what we got going on here in the states. 
Microsoft shutting down LinkedIn in China. This news kind of blew me away. And it also looks like we got our U.S. Lyft uh, travel ban on November 8th going there. So Microsoft shutting down LinkedIn in China. Microsoft is shutting down social media network LinkedIn in China, saying that having to comply with the Chinese state has become increasingly challenging. It comes after the career networking site faced questions for blocking the profiles of some journalists. LinkedIn will launch a jobs-only version of the site called InJobs later this year. But this will not include a social feed or the ability to share or post articles. Uh, LinkedIn senior vice president said, we're facing a significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements in China. And the firm said in a statement, while we are going to sunset the localized version of LinkedIn in China later this year, we will continue to have a strong presence in China to drive our new strategy and are excited to launch the new InJobs app later this year. Uh, the article goes in. I'll link the article below, but it, you know, it goes in to talk about gross appeasement and China's internet roams further adrift. So uh, what I will say, though, is you know when when it comes to linkedin linkedin works really well for some people uh and not so well for other people and from the people that i know that do the most in social marketing um you know when it comes to linkedin apparently their algorithm is like way behind uh as a whole so it is one of it is one of the weaker ones uh of social media networks because in my in my opinion, if is because of the way that they have not increased their algorithm to compete with the likes of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and uh, somebody keeps telling me about Alignable. I, I've been getting you know friend, people like sending me you know invites for Alignable for a while. Uh, I've just have honestly ignored them, but uh, it's so there there is real competition and if 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 it is true if linkedin's algorithm is that far behind it may continue to lag uh for 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 everywhere for years to come and it wouldn't surprise me to see uh microsoft you know eventually maybe sell linkedin because i i doubt that they would they would just shut it down uh it does kind of find i do find it kind of funny that they couldn't find a buyer just for their linkedin china to operate uh to sell to and operate it uh it kind of tends to make me think that maybe it's not as profitable as they as they want it to be i mean in china they have wechat and that pretty much is like the dominating force uh for social media in in china so trying to compete with that on top of if your algorithm isn't even is like you know, light years behind uh, every other platform's uh, algorithm uh, set up so that people are getting that, you know, information that they want to actually see rather than just like whoever happened to like something the most uh, is, you know, it it says a lot. Uh, It says a lot about where Microsoft is with LinkedIn. And again, kind of tends to lead me to think that maybe at some point they might go and sell it themselves uh, this 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 seems like a pretty big, um, a pretty big like red flag, and it might not be tomorrow, but you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if in a year to two years, maybe three years, we see LinkedIn get sold off from Microsoft to somebody else. 
More than 10,000 John Deere workers on strike after failed UAW deal. More than 10,000 are on strike on the picket line Thursday after the union was unable to hammer out a new contract deal uh, with management of the tractor company. Workers at 14 Deere and company locations were made good on their vow to go on strike at the stroke of midnight after the company failed to present an agreement that met our members' demands and needs. Uh, Our members at John Deere strike for the ability Uh, to earn a decent living, retire with dignity, and establish fair work rules. Uh, You know, speaking for somebody who has had John Deere equipment as well as uh, we used to be a Coyote dealership, uh, it's funny because when we were a Coyote dealership, my my dad actually still had, uh, I think, two John Deere tractors that he bought uh, for himself, one for the shop, either our main location, and one for his house. Uh, even though we we sold Coyote tractors, which has grown actually, their brand has been be, become more powerful over the over the years. In the years since we stopped selling it back in 2015, um, our members at John Deere strike for oh yeah, uh, union workers uh, overwhelmingly rejected a contract over this week uh, that would have delivered five percent raises to some workers and six percent to others. Now the UAW said workers will picket Deere around the clock until the two sides reach a contract. The, the union will provide uh, dealers or pr- will provide members $275 a week in strike pay until the, until the standoff is over. This is the first major strike in 35 years at John Deere, which is known for its iconic green and yellow farm equipment and workers, many of whom have been toiling extra hours for months because of the pandemic-related worker shortages, and they said they are fed up. The whole nation's going to be watching us, Chris Larson uh, said, uh, who works at a, as a painter at Deer. If we take a stand here for ourselves, our families, for basic human prosperity, it's going to make a difference for the whole manufacturing industry. Let's do it. Let's not be intimidated. Uh, Deer and Company said it, it wants to keep talking. Uh, We are determined to reach an agreement with the UAW that would put every employee in a better economic position and continue to make them the highest paid employees in the agriculture and construction industries. Brad Morris, dear vice president of labor relations, but the company admitted on month in May that it was struggling to find enough qualified workers to meet its production needs. This year, another group of UAW workers went on strike, the Volvo truck plants, uh, trucks plant in Virginia wound up with better pay and lower health cost benefit or low, low, yeah lower health cost benefits lower cost health benefits after rejecting the uh, three tentative contract offers the contracts under negotiation under fourteen deer plants across the United States uh, including in, uh, United States United States including seven in Iowa four in uh, Illinois and one each in Kansas Colorado and Georgia. The contract talks uh, in Illinois uh, hit a wall even as Deere was expecting to report record profits of $5.7 billion to $5.9 billion this year. The company has been reporting strong sales of its agriculture equipment this year as well as construction equipment. The Deere production plants are uh, an important contributor to the economy so local officials uh, hope any strike will be short-lived. We definitely want to see our economy stabilize and grow after the impact of COVID-19, says 
uh, Moline Mayor uh, told blah blah blah. Hopefully, these parties can come to a resolution soon. Uh, he sat down and asked if there was any way we, he could borrow some money from me to put food on the table and pay some bills. Edgar said to her dad, "Of course." So of course he. I grabbed my savings and what I had in my my paycheck. My mom had to go to work, so was really crushing for my dad, and he picked up any odd jobs he could come up with just to make ends meet. And that was uh, uh, Heidi uh, Egger told that she oh that she was a high school senior when her dad and many of her uncles went on strike in 1986, and that strike lasted uh, almost six months. That's yeah. So look, I um. I don't like to see strikes either. I don't think anybody really wants to see strikes. I think that it's important that the um, I think it's really important that the the workers be compensated, uh, especially as they've gone through a really tough year and now getting closer to two years, right? So the thing about John Deere is, is they uh, have attacked or they, they very much uh, are not in favor of right to repair. If you haven't checked out Lewis Rossman, go check out him. He's all about, he's very, uh, he, he's kind of abrasive, but means well, has a good heart. And uh, he is all is fight actively fighting across the United States for right to repair. Um, something that, you know, the likes of John Deere has been opposed of because they want to control all of the parts uh, and and soup to nuts, everything, kind of like how Apple does. But, hey, to a certain extent, Apple does a good job, and, you know, they have a ways to go, and I think that they want some, you know, they will they will eventually succumb to this as well when it comes to right to repair. Now, obviously, this isn't about right to repair, but uh, what this is about is when you ta- start talking about 10,000 workers that are going to be sidelined in a time where we, you know, people, you know, even John Deere admittedly can't find skilled workers themselves. Uh, to me, this actually seems like, it, it, you know, I don't know what, when their contract ended. I guess, or I guess their contract ended at the stroke of midnight. But, uh, you know, it seemed like they probably all knew what was coming already because of the fact that, you know, they, they're, on, on, they're on track to $5.7 billion record profits this year on the low end of 5.9 on the high end. Look, uh, if, if, you know, if you're, if you think you can get away with, uh, using other workers, you know, be my guest, but I tend to think that deer will probably hold out, uh, till they get a deal that is more in line with what they want rather than the strikers. Uh, when you start talking about all that, there's billion dollars and billions of dollars of profit, uh, they 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 have the money to sit on the sideline, and as it's, as as uh, as the story by Heidi pointed out at the end of this article, you know the the average person doesn't have have that opportunity. Um, you know they got to do whatever they can to make ends meet because they don't have a whack ton of money sitting in the bank waiting to uh, to make it to make it go. But with that said. You know, if this does go on for longer, uh, you know, those people that are that are in those situations might start looking for other other employment. Right. They might start looking to start their own businesses. They might look to take an opportunity to. to, Well, moving might be tough because of the amount of the pricing of housing, but 
to might you know to to go and take another to take a chance doing something else. This is a, I mean, it's a really bad time for it, uh, especially as you know we have the with the labor shortage and uh, you know some food shelves are starting to to go empty in certain parts of the country, certain types of foods and things of that nature. They, the food ball runs around tractors, right? So uh, we, you know, having having uh, and and construction as well. Uh, so if, without having those people there to be able to assemble more, it, it really will be be a blast. I uh, or, or a blast um, to the economy, I should say. And I, you know, I I uh, I would hope that you know somebody like the mayor of, of uh, Maline. I'm not saying, sure if I'm saying that right, but um, Maline. Uh, you know, does something to help the the two, you know, maybe helps to, to facilitate, bring the two parties together uh, to come to uh, some kind of an agreement, right? And and I hope that they get what, I, I hope they get what they're looking for. You know, these people have been through hell this last, you know, almost two years now. And it's, they, uh, they absolutely uh, deserve, they work hard and, and they put together great products and, and, you know, regardless of John Deere's stance on the right to repair, they deserve to to get paid. You know, when they could they could easily, you know, how many of those ten thousand people could just go work for easily go work for Amazon? Though you shouldn't, because Amazon. After seeing Jeff Bezos the uh, the other uh, you know yesterday with William Shatner, if you watched that video, go get subscribed and, and watch that. But uh, you know, way he treated William Shatner like, eh, you know, it wasn't great. But they could go get those those. They could go, you know, work twenty five dollars an hour there at Amazon. They could go work for Target. They could go work for Walmart. They could, you know, there's a, a, a deluge of, of opportunities out there, and, and especially other manufacturers. Because you think if John Deere is suffering with it, with finding skilled workers, you don't think their competitors are. There's uh there's definitely opportunities out there, and uh, I I just hope that this doesn't last for too long and that they're able to eventually get to, you know, get back to work at a at a deal that uh, is 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 beneficial uh, to both the business and and the employees. Right. I, I, you know, I want the business to do, you know, I want businesses to do well. They need to do well. But at the same time. They, they need they need people and they they already are well aware they need quality people and those quality people have walked out on them so i you know i i tend to side with them like if we're going to put together almost six billion dollars in record with record profits that year uh you know don't be don't be scared to invest in the people we just talked about this yesterday too on the entrepreneurs with uh chipotle and looking at labor not at labor cost not as a cost but as an investment and this this is i think a clear a clear sign of that it's a labor investment not necessarily labor cost ftc will crack down on fake online reviews put businesses on notice ding ding thank goodness we needed that we we need that uh the ftc has put over 700 businesses on notice uh, the Federal Trade Commission plans to crack down on businesses' use of fake reviews and misleading information online to promote its products, the agency announced on Wednesday. The FTC announced that it has put more than 700 major corporations and smaller businesses on formal notice for the malpractice, threatening up to $43,792 per vi- – I don't know who came up with this uh, this per violation price, but – 
That's that's great. The rise of social media has blurred the line between authentic content and advertising, leading to an explosion in deceptive endorsements across the marketplace. Fake online reviews and other deceptive endorsements often tout products throughout the online world. Consequently, the FTC is now using its penalty penalty offense authority to remind advertisers of the law and deter them from breaking it. The FTC outlined a number of of practices it hopes to squelch in its uh, in its letter to businesses, including falsely claiming an endorsement by a third party or misrepresenting whether an endorser is an actual, current, or recent user, as well as making false performance claims. Other practices included failing to disclose an endorser's connection to the company or misrepresenting a typical consumer experience. This is this is awesome, but I, I'll give you my opinion at the end here. Uh, major companies formerly noticed include tech giants Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, and its YouTube video service, as well as internet service providers like AT&T and Comcast. Others include retail Abercrombie & Fitch, Brewer Anheuser-Busch, and manufacturers General Electric, General Motors, and Honda. Popular shopping and review sites such as eBay and Yelp also were also, were also noticed. The uh, agency emphasized that they could uh, that that just because a company was noticed does not in any way suggest that it was that has engaged engaged in deceptive or unfair conduct. A list of companies list uh, a list of companies listed can be found uh, on the FTC's website. Fake reviews and other forms of deceptive endorsement cheat consumers and undercut honest businesses. Uh, said Samuel Samuel Levine. Uh, director of the agency's Bureau of Consumer Protection said it in a statement, advertisers will pay a price if they engage in these deceptive practices. I love this. Ding, ding, right? So they, look, uh, fake reviews, uh, I mean, I, you get it, right? When you when you buy something on Amazon, like, you, you should not um, get in the, the package. Like, hey, le- it's a, a business card that says, hey, leave us a five-star review and we'll send you an extra product or something. We'll send you uh, an extra phone case or, or, or something like that. And it's like, well, look, I know that you want to encourage people to rate and review or comment or smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm or, uh, you know, subscribe or whatever. But it's so it's so frustrating. Um, I'll tell you, as a as a business coach, as a business consultant who prides themselves on you know being truthful, being upfront, being real, not going in and you know doing the wacky things like uh, running a, a a Lamborghini to show off to my subscribers or to my Instagram followers or anything like that. Um, I mean, it's it's even even so rampant there that like there's people will have bots that will literally just like post comments for them on every single post that they do. So that makes it look like there's a whole bunch of people that want whatever they're you know, whatever they're selling. 
and you know buying followers like i wonder if that's gonna you know this doesn't mention buying followers coming down on on that practice buying subscribers um you know i i know youtube kind of came hard down uh down hard a little bit ago like two years ago with where people were getting you know free product from organizations and they weren't disclosing whether or not those products were you know free or it was a paid endorsement or anything like that so you, you know that to let you know up front like hey this is an ad you know um in one shape or way or form um i you know one of my favorites is is uh both gerald undone and uh and christopher frost and the way you know they get lenses and cameras from camera companies all the time and it, you know like they're like look we we got the lens imagine this is a lens we got the lens and uh i got the lens and i and and i have not been paid for the lens i have to send the lens back after my review they have not reviewed what i said and they have not co- you know given me in- any information of what needs to be said in the interview and they have not reviewed the the review my re- you know the lens review or whatever product review uh at all and you know we just talked about this the other day about uh the auto industry, you know, completely like muddying the waters for legitimate reviews in in uh, in the automotive industry. So, you know, I am I am all I am all for this. You know, the whole the whole fake review thing. I mean, I've even had uh, one of my friends had somebody somebody paid to post a ton of negative reviews to their. Google uh, to I think to their Google and to their Facebook page uh, pages right and the, it took forever for them to get those off. I also tend to think that the FTC, if they wanted to uh, really you know do something about fake reviews and like oh okay yeah it does so such as eBay and Yelp which ding ding Yelp is a Yelp is a is a parasite. Yelp is terrible. If you don't, uh, if you want to know like the short of it, there's a whole documentary that you can watch on how the the terrible mafia like practices that Yelp has employed over the years. Uh, but uh, John Taffer recently took the fight up to Yelp. He actually was uh, part of one of their town hall meetings about how to help the we- the restaurant industry through the pandemic. And in it, he called them a parasite. <laughs> Apparently, he called them a parasite. And they didn't like what he said so much that you know that they never they didn't air uh, or share the whole town hall because of that one piece that he he said. And then so John went on on social media and basically was like, "I want to hear your Yelp stories." And then did a whole podcast episode where he actually called up business owners, uh, restaurant owners, uh, mostly restaurant owners, um, and I think one was like a dog care or dog grooming company or something but called the you know had phone calls with these people and said hey like what's your yelp story right the, this story stands above the rest of how ridiculous the practice is and and how they manipulate the reviews where it's like oh you, you stop paying us cool we'll just take all your negative all your positive reviews and put them as is in other reviews so it's not calculated into your star rating and to get to it it's there but you got to go all the way to the bottom of the page and go to like the other reviews or not recommended reviews or unrec i don't know what they call it but whatever they call it it's a really shady practice uh and where yelp could be you know 
really in a great position to help restaurants through through this. They weren't, then haven't been, and they haven't been for very, very, very long time. Um, very super unreliable. I wouldn't go there, and I think the only time I've had to go there in the last several months was to book a reservation. Unfortunately, for one of the restaurants, that was how they were still using for b- booking reservations. So, you know, the FTC. The pro- The sad part about all this is, is. The FTC probably doesn't even come close to having the resources to go after every all of these instances, investigate all of these instances, and do something about all of these instances. So it's kind of heartbreaking in that sense. And uh, you know, as as a as a business owner who again I'm out here every day doing the entrepreneurs doing, you know, Biz Coach Reacts videos, helping other business owners in my mastermind, uh, helping other business owners one-on-one, you know, trying to be real and trying to present myself as, as me, as clean and as clear as I possibly can. Um, it, it's it's heartbreaking to see other people just kind of really just faking it till they make it. And uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it's very disturbing to me. Head of Uber Freight says the U.S. is in a shipping Armageddon and there's no one solution. <clears throat> Uber Freight head, lo- uh, head lion or liar, lure, uh, Ron, Mr. Ron, told CNBC's Jim Cramer on Thursday there's no single solution to the country's trucking crisis. Uh, it all it really requires the entire industry because we are facing just unprecedented times. We're living in a shipping Armageddon. He said, there's a two minute video here. I'll put the link down below. Uh, told CNBC's Jim Cramer on Thursday, there's no single solution. It requires everybody to get involved. Uh, Uber freight, which launched in 2017 uses an app to connect shippers who need loads hauled. Uh, with available truck drivers operating as a middleman and a crucial part of the U.S. economy. There's more than 1 million drivers now on Uber Freight Network, uh, according to Ron. While Ron uh, argued Uber Freight can make aspects of long-haul trucking more efficient, uh, he cautioned that it alone will not uh, alleviate the industry's challenges, such as driver shortages. That's uh, been exuberated. Uh, by the COVID crisis, we definitely uh, we can definitely make a dent with technology, and we are. But it requires more. Some of it also is about the wages. He added, noting the job can be challenging, and some people want to prioritize being close to family. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put the link below, to, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing here. So, look, I've been around trucking my entire life, and what I can tell you about it is is that even having 1 million drivers uh driving on the uber freight network i mean that doesn't mean they're driving on that network all the time that probably just means that they're booking some of their freight through that uh the the really good ones you know have their own uh office people you know getting getting those freight uh freight connections and mapping out where they're going to go uh you know drop you know pick up a load drop it off pick up another load go somewhere else drop it off and to be able to pick up another load and come back and make like that round trip or even just a, a, a direct connection from point a to b back to a but with a load 
and it you know technology absolutely helps uh the wage thing is at, you look uh i somebody i was follow i was kind of following around on on instagram uh a little bit checking out their instagram they they were dangling a truck volvo key uh in front of a truck and you know, I, talking about how easy the trucking industry is and stuff like that, and I actually I had a good laugh with some of uh, some of the people that work at, at part of Fleet Solutions and and my dad about it. So, you know, it's it's not easy. Uh, the trucking industry, look, you you know, you might be able to buy uh, an over the road truck. Hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, when but as soon you know, there's a ton of things that go wrong with trucks. The uh, the EPA um, standards and using DPF filters literally creates the 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 trucks are self destructing. <laughs> Instead of putting the the blats you know the black soot out the out the smokestack like you may be used to seeing on older old trucks that don't have DPF filters, they literally allow the carbon that would be coming out to stay, you know, some of it gets caught up in the filter and the filter can kind of be cleaned and then the carbon can be disposed of properly. Um, but uh, a lot of that carbon ends up just in the engine, just caking in like arteries getting close, closed up. And, um, you know, the, 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 the costs that come with repairing, you know, anything on a truck that comes very rapidly with you're actually doing the, doing the miles and making the, the, the it all work, um, is, is just a punch in the gut. And every turn, every turn, like we, we've had the part, we've had truck repair in my family. We've had truck parts in my family, uh, trucking in my family, uh, brokerage in my family, like brokering freight, you know, kind of like basically what Uber Freight does, um, and uh, and you know, as well as some other facets of of truck sales and things of that nature. So, you know, it's when you, when we're talking about shipping and and finding the the right drivers, a lot of a lot of people that would be drivers have probably turned to getting a box truck and driving for Amazon as a contractor or under somebody else's flag as a contractor for Amazon. And that because they get to be home every night, they don't have to do the long hauls. They don't have to do, you know, the work that nobody wants to do uh, or very few people want to do or not as many people want to do. And when you talk about the rates on the loads, they fluctuate like wildly. Um, you know, certain areas have loads coming out. So it's like, oh, I, you know, I could get this expensive load out of like the Northeast, you know, go up to Maine or New Hampshire or something like that. Uh but coming out of there, there's nothing coming out. So it's like I could take stuff up, and then when I come, you know, coming back, there's nothing, or it's so cheap, you know, to you know that load coming back is so cheap that it like barely covers your cost between the you know a driver and or covering fuel costs, tolls, uh, insurance, the your DOT like all the things dot number like there's it's so it's so so complicated it's so much more complicated than like hey let me grab my car key and go drive for uber eats or drive somebody around in my car on with uber it's a it's a very complicated thing i'm actually really surprised that uber has gotten involved with it just because it's 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 just so it's so nuanced and and, and wildly swings uh, from one way to the other. So, 
you know, hopefully uh, we are able to get through the shipping crisis as all of the all of these crises will start to resolve themselves as the days go by. I, I, I certainly hope so. Virgin Galactic delays beginning of commercial space flights to fourth quarter 2022 stocks fall 20 percent. Virgin Galactic is delaying the beginning of its commercial space tourism service till the fourth quarter. Space tourism company uh, will this month begin work refurbishing and improving its spacecraft and carrier aircraft rather than fly its next space flight test. Virgin Galactic's enhancement process which is expected to take 8 to 10 months, makes mid-2022 the earliest for the Unity 23 uh, space, uh, yeah, space flight may fly. That's, uh, that's pretty devastating. I remember when this, the Virgin Galactic program got started. I, I just, I love the idea. I love the, 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 the design of the plane and all that. But, of course, now it's been, I don't know, like a decade maybe more since Virgin Galactic got started and we just keep delaying it. But I, Hey, I guess if you're this close, you know, why not, why not make sure it's the safest? Why not make sure it's the best? Why not make sure that uh, it will absolutely have no problems? I mean, space isn't going anywhere. It's going to still be there. So, uh, you know, taking a 20% dip, I'm sure they didn't like that. You know, I'm sure uh, Richard Branson didn't care for that. But, you know, ultimately, what's 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 worse? Having a problem occur or, okay, look, we, we need to do some things and improve some more things here. Let's get it right uh, so that we can make sure that there's no problems because the last thing we want is a problem, especially out of the get-go. Yeah, so... You know, 20% in the short term might be better than long-term problems. U.S. to lift travel ban on November 8th, allowing vaccinated international visitors into the country. The White House said on Friday said it would allow vaccinated international travelers, travelers into the U.S. starting November 8th, lifting a ban on visitors from the EU, U.K., and other countries. The White House previously said it planned to lift the travel restrictions uh, first set by the Trump administration early in the pandemic uh, in early November. Uh, the measure is a relief for large airlines like Delta, United, and American, which have struggled to return to profitability with international travel curbs since winter of 2020. That's uh, that's awesome uh, to hear. Hopefully, it stays that way. Hopefully, we don't have to 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 shut that back down. And God, I don't want it to shut down. Um, I want you know, I want this all to be. I want all this to be over. Uh, as much as anybody else, um, and and this morning, uh, Delta, United, and American, I believe all their stocks were starting to uh, bounce back thanks to the uh, the lift, uh, the you know starting November eighth. So, <clears throat> which is which is awesome. I I am kind of curious as to why it's. I mean, November eighth is still fifteen eight. You know, it's still like what, three weeks away or something like that in order for it to get started. I guess there needs to be some flights and things. Um, I, I honestly, I didn't even know that we weren't allowing uh, international visitors into the country. I guess because I've seen people, like I have friends that have gone to like Italy and Greece and 
other parts of Europe and no problem, but I guess they could come back, uh, which probably does make it very hard for, for these airlines to stay profitable as there's only, you know, only so many people are going over and then only so many people are coming back and, you know, probably made the price kind of crazy to do so. So looking forward to that. Hopefully the more, you know, the more of the travel industry uh, will be able to to get back uh, like Disney will be able to to welcome their Fortniters back into the country and or back into the world, you know, into the world, the Disney world and uh, and hopefully uh, Universal as well, com- with Comcast and SeaWorld and and all that, as well as all the other companies that will will prosper because of that, um, allowing people to to come here. So hopefully, hopefully, there's actually people that that want to like can afford to and want to in enough of a scale to make to make this happen. And hey, maybe some international business travel, you know, can get back to back to uh, going and that'll help those uh, those hotels. So um, like the DC one that, you know, DC hotels that are, have been devastated this year specifically uh, because of no business travel. Strike Tober signals tremendous sacrifice, but workers say it has been a long time coming. A lot of these workers have been on the front line of a global pandemic for the past 19 months and were touted as heroes, which has given them lots of leverage, said one expert. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much leverage it actually ends up being, but you know, it only gives you enough leverage till there's till there's people that actually want to come in and you know, work the positions and take spots from you from healthcare to Hollywood. Nearly a hundred thousand workers are either striking or preparing to strike to improve working conditions. Uh, we just, you know, we just talked about 10,000 John Deere workers on Thursday, 24,000 healthcare workers at the Kaiser permanent, uh, and about 60,000 Hollywood workers, members of the international Alliance of theater, uh, theatrical stage employees are preparing to strike. They join thousands of other workers who have recently faced a similar decision, including Kellogg plant workers on, uh, who are on strike and Nabisco employees who recently ended a week-long strike. I think the um, – what was it? Lay's? Not Lay's. Yeah, I think Lay's was on, was on strike as well um, through, through PepsiCo uh, over, the, over the summer, I think it was. Uh, we've definitely seen an uptick in late September and October – uh, it's a combination of two factors. Workers have more labor market leverage with employers needing and struggling to hire. And then a lot of these workers have been on the front line of a global pandemic for the past 19 months and were touted as heroes, but given, uh, which has given them lots of leverage. Uh, as, as the word striketober appears online and on social media, it's clear that momentum is building around the actions uh, Callis said that as Tuesdays, 174 strikes have been documented this year. The ILR classifies a strike as anytime worker actions leads to a stoppage of work. And John Deere strike brings it to 175. Uh, the uh, simultaneous worker activism is known as a strike wave. Workers can be, can be contagious for, or, oh, con- yeah, Strikes can be contagious for unions and workers. There are shared issues that are pushing workers to go on strike, and workers are looking at each uh, at each other and getting inspired. There have been many strike waves in the U.S. history, as 
working conditions reached a particular threshold and workers refused to accept them any longer. These lessons have to these are these lessons have to be learned over and over and over again. Um, COVID was a wake up call because it wasn't just uh, wasn't just you could get injured on the job, but you going to work could literally kill you. Workers are feeling like they're working harder than ever, and they put themselves out there during COVID and risk their lives for what? On the low-wage side, these workers were essential. They faced high death, uh, high death rates but couldn't afford housing or health care. Now there's act- this activism born of desperation. Uh, that attention enables, in some cases, uh, empowers workers to use it as try- to try to gain leverage in the political sphere. So I... We talked about this in the uh, in the John Deere striking uh, story a little bit ago, but you know I, I I don't I don't necessarily disagree. Um, I I one story I was uh, just talking to someone I know the other day was um, there someone in their family uh, is 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 a single older female working as a nurse making more than seventy five thousand dollars a year. And they got no no stimulus because they they were single and made more than seventy five thousand, and have worked uh, you know as a nurse uh, many 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 hours, and they, like what do they have to show for it? Where you know they, they are not getting the help that they need in a time when you know inflation is going up, uh, and they're not able. To, you know, people like that person is not able to keep up. <laughs> like, you know, so I, I I definitely see both sides. Uh, again, as I've said before, I want businesses to succeed, but in order for businesses to succeed, they need great people, and by allowing great people to walk out the door. Uh, over over things like pay and benefits and and all that uh, ultimately is is not not going to be uh, is not good for anybody. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for the businesses. It's not good for business owners. It's not good for the workers. And it opens the door for the workers to like literally just okay. Well, when you know we'll strike to a certain point, but I I gotta feed my family, so like I need to go work other jobs or I need to start a business or. I don't want to say start a business on a table, but do what they have to do to be able to keep their situation. And as I always go back to, <clears throat> we don't want to get to a point where people aren't able to afford the lives that they've created for themselves and everybody ends up out on their butt. <laughs> like that's not good for the country either. So there's a, there's a, there's a line there to find and it's different in every business and in every industry for every job. Um, and in some cases for every employee, uh, and we, we have to find those lines. And in some cases we need to find them a lot quicker than just allowing people to go out, uh, and strike and not create, you know, not work, uh, even in more, more, more than we already have. And that's, you know, why I, I think, uh, you know, Hopefully these this this strike tober does not last very long. Uh, you know, fifteen day, you know, seven fifteen days, maybe thirty days. I don't want to see it go past forty five days. You know, tops. Um, 
it's it's not going to be good, especially as we still need the things that these people are striking from. And if there's already a labor shortage, it's not going to it's not going to be any easier uh, on anybody. Um, and and things, you know, the prices of things will continue to go. And, and hopefully I, I'm I'm hopeful that we're not on a runaway train at this point from it with a, with inflation in mind. Um, but I, I, I still, I do think that it could be, you know, one, six months to two years before things settle down and start to maybe rein in a little bit, thanks to productivity going up and, and, uh, technology increases and, and things of that nature and and everything just kind of starts to, to settle. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we are not on that runaway inflation train. Um, I'm not totally seeing it, but uh, we gotta we gotta we gotta get past some things in here in the states as well as abroad, and hopefully we will soon. Finally today, man, this has been a long video. <clears throat> Finally today, I got the question of what keeps me motivated. I greatly appreciate questions. Please drop them in the comments or in your Apple Podcast reviews or in the chat. Uh, when I live stream the entrepreneurs, it is so awesome uh, to to receive questions and and part of you know part of the whole super thing is is not about me being great. It's about me helping you bring the super out of yourself, right? Inspiring other people and enabling you to bring the super out of other people. Uh, and that is what I is what I I live for. It's what I love to see. It's what I encourage other people to do. Watching this channel or just in general, like. Make sure that whatever you're doing, you're enabling other people to pull the soup, you know, to pull the super out of them so that they can live their best life as well. And hey, that doesn't always mean having your own business. Owning a business is hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it, as my great grandfather would say. And I want you to understand that as well, that you uh, don't have to buy into the the whole hashtag hustle hustle culture. Uh, phenomenon that's kind of reined in a little bit now, but uh, but still very much sold, right? Or is the hustle porn as they call it? I I want you to um, I want you, you know I I want you to think about the things that you know really light you up, right? What what buttons can you press with yourself? And that's how I stay motivated, right? What buttons can I press on myself to help me get those get the reset? Hit that reset switch. So things like um, going for a run, things like playing video games, things like hanging out with friends uh, and and doing uh, creative projects, like thing you know, using my mind as much as possible uh, to solve problems, working with business owners, uh, writing you know, writing writing books, creating art, uh, thing you know, anything that I can do. Uh, that will help put me in that frame of mind to help others inspire themselves, get motivated. It helps motivate me. That's that's and and people, right? It's all to me at the end of the day. It really is all about relationships and and uh, having these awesome conversations and getting to spend time with all of you, like I do every single day here on this channel and on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook at Super Joe Pardo. But I, you know, I, uh, I, 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 just, I really, it's what I live for. And, uh, I've been this way almost since I was 
as much as as long as I can remember. So uh, this this is um, what I'm here for, and and I it motivates me every single day to think about all of the people that I've been able to help get to where they want to go, uh, and as much as as much as I'm possible, you know, humanly possible, able to help with. But it's up to you to figure out what motivates you and do some more of that. And, you know, self-care is important. And, and I try to do that as much as I possibly can, even with two kids and this business and that, the, all these other businesses I have going on uh, and the clients and their, you know, that I work with on their businesses and, and um, you know, caring about deeply about the relationships that they have and the business that model that they have and making sure that's sustainable for everybody. So, I am losing my voice. I appreciate you, and I, I uh, look forward to seeing you in the next video. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for being here, joining me on this Entrepreneurs for Friday. We have so many stories to go out here. It's like 10 stories. So uh, look forward to all these videos coming out on YouTube individually. Get subscribed if you haven't. Don't forget to tonight, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern we will have uh, all the Shark Tank pitches up, assuming I still have a voice by then. <clears throat> you go drink some tea. And, uh, and also, don't, uh, don't forget to check out the uh, Grant Cardone Undercover Billionaire series. It's, it's going really well. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, almost ha- I'm halfway through it now. So there's, I think there's 14 episodes total. And then episode seven just dropped, uh, drops today at noon uh, Eastern. So anyway, I hope you have an amazing weekend. I will see you on Monday.